Welcome, everybody. It might be a shock to people uh, tuning in for the second or third time, but a little different voice starting off the, the podcast. But my name's Ari Fleeman. I'm sure anyone in the in the Facebook group has, has seen my name passed around, you know, and, and wanted to introduce myself real quick. Hope everyone's having a great day, night, time, uh, wherever you are. I'm really excited about this podcast. I, I've got Hami with me, so he'll be sure to, to keep me in line. But really excited for this podcast and this group we've got today. We've got Susan Knoll and Matthias Visser, who are part of the Netic Physical Therapy Group. And Susan and Matthias, I, I apologize if I butchered names or if I butchered your, your company. I'm sure we will give you the platform to correct me. But again, as a runner, uh, as a newly minted, I'd like to say, gym rat, uh, as part of my New Year's resolutions, you know, I'm, I'm and actually to the husband of a physical therapist assistant, you know, I'm, I'm all about this topic and know uh, people will get a lot out of this. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. We're so glad to have you. And Susan, I know you mentioned right before, but if you, if you want to say it again, you're in San Francisco, correct? Yeah, I'm currently located in San Francisco. I've been here now for eight years. I've sort of did had a nomadic uh, career, you know, a decade prior. I lived in Italy for a few years, was working in sports medicine. I lived in New York City and worked in sports medicine there. And I've been doing online physical therapy and training for years for runners participating in crazy stage races and crazy places like the Sahara Desert and Iceland. So I'm now based and located in San Francisco and here to stay and love it. <laughs> awesome. And Matthias, how about you? Yeah. So I don't have as much experience as Susan. So I'm trained as a physician, but my big interest is really innovating in healthcare, innovating in medicine. I believe everywhere, but especially in the U.S., healthcare has to become more affordable and more accessible. And about two years ago, we started Netic Health, and Susan was one of our first partners, physical therapists. So we treated our first patients over a Google Doc back in the day. Like we didn't have anything built; we just had to like see what was working, what people really liked, and people definitely liked Susan. Not so much the Google Doc, but we did start to help people, and people wanted to pay for it. So that made me start Netic about I think a year and a half ago. And so yeah, Susan has been along the ride, ups and downs. For all the time as well. Great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I know when we first started talking, and, and this was a while ago, I saw, Susan, I'm assuming it was you, it might have been, you know, a, a partner of yours that, that joined our Facebook group. And it was really exciting because, you know, again, as, as much as we love seeing people's runs, I think we see posts constantly of people either, you know, rehabbing or, you know, sadly they get injured. And, you know, as much as we love to see them post and, and you know, come back with us, you know, I think this is kind of a unknown to a lot of people. So I was, I was really excited to get, I mean, it's still an unknown to me. I mean, I get yelled at constantly that I don't stretch enough, um, again, from, from my wife and cross train and everything. So uh, again, really excited. Can you guys give us just a quick recap or a quick rundown of, of what Netic provides and the company as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. So we are a digital physical therapy platform. And we're starting out with runners. So we learned that a lot of runners get injured. Um, they like access to the right physical therapists. Even if they find the right physical therapist, usually they don't take their insurance. Um, they have to pay cash. And then even if all of that is in place, it's really hard for patients to go like to the physical therapist's office multiple times per week. So we saw all these problems. And on the other hand, we found a lot of physical therapists that do want to treat more runners. The runners themselves, they've always run, they've treated long distance runners, but only a little bit. And so we found out that they also want to see more, more runners. And then 
during COVID, like a lot of bad things happened in COVID, but like some good things happened as well with physical therapy. So suddenly physical therapy was allowed to, to be given remotely and, and more importantly, being able to be reimbursed remotely. So that for us is really the starting point. Like, hey, we have everything in place to start a company to really help runners connect with the right physical therapists and give them the right care. Cool. And so how does that work? You know, just to keep people kind of interested or engaged in, in, in this topic, you know, so how's it work? Is it, is it all like sending video clips? Do you do it live? Yeah, absolutely. So Susan can talk more about a clinical, but like from a practical perspective as a patient, so they can go to our website, they can sign up there. Right now, it's just filling out a quick form, kind of figuring out what type of runners they are. Like, are they training for this ultra marathon or are they more recreational runners, whether like sprained ankle, for example? It's a very important difference for us to know who to send them to. And so after they fill out a form, we talk to them internally. So they get to know me or Evelyn, which is a customer success person. And then with, together with them, we kind of find the best fit. So which physical therapist is the right fit for them regarding their insurance, regarding where they're living, if they're in California or in other states. We do have physical therapists from different states. And then afterwards, uh, depending also on the type of injury, type of runner they are, we send them to the right physical therapist. So, for example, if we find ultra marathons in California, the chance is very high that they will end up uh, getting care from Susan, for example, because that's Susan's expertise. And so it really starts out with a first session. But Susan, I don't know if you kind of want to tell about the journey of the patients, like after, sure. like once they start meeting you. Yeah, I can chime in. I mean, I think one thing is great about working with runners is that, I mean, not to totally generalize all runners, but in general, I think most runners are pretty ambitious uh, people who are highly accountable for their own fitness. And so the great thing that I really like about Medic is that we treat runners of all levels. So what I really try to do in my first session is really just get to know the runner on a personal level. Like, what is your story? You know, are you coming at me with a, a current injury, a past injuries? Are you post-op? Do you have a fracture? Do we need to set up a rehab-based program and hold your running? Or are you worried about you've got a huge race in like six months? And your first ultra marathon and you don't want to get injured. So it really depends on, you know, we try to meet the runner where they're at, I think. But we have definitely, we're putting more systems in place to be systematic about looking at postural observation and clinical, you know, functional outcome scores to really put runners on a scale. So we, I really, in that first session with a runner, take a lot of subjective history, want to hear their story. And really, if, if from a physical therapy orthopedic standpoint, if we get a really good thorough subjective history and story from a, a patient or a runner, we're, we have a pretty good hypothesis about, you know, are they dealing with, a, what type of injury are they dealing with? Or are they dealing with an injury? Are they just about to, to get one? So that's really important. And we can actually do quite a lot with telehealth. Just, I mean, physical therapy is so much about visual observation that, there's a lot you can do observing a person's posture and taking them through functional movement patterns to delineate, wow, are you actually having that much difficulty with a single leg squat? That's happening every time your foot hits the ground when you're running. So let's like rewind. We need to go back to some basics and give you some strength training, some drills. So it's really, I mean, it's fun working with Medic because I find that you think that most runners have overuse injuries and that has not been the case with Netic. I mean, a lot of runners have actually nerve problems and they need to, they need to know like, Hey, you have an active nerve injury. 
you should not be running right now. You right. need to go get an assessment. You need to go get an MRI. We need to hold your running and do some cross training. So I think there's a lot of value in that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think the world was going obviously toward YouTube and things like that. I think like what's really cool for me, I'll say this story, but here's how it relates, I think, to you guys in the field of just how things are expensive, right? As I got older, I realized people want to do... Uh, this is just... You'll see where I'm getting in a second. People want to do business on the golf course. I have no idea how to play golf. And when I went to go look to just learn, the country club and trainers wanted like $100 an hour to train me how to golf. I was like, look, I'm, I don't play golf that much to pay $100 for training. So I never forget, I went to a driving range and I set up my phone on YouTube and I watched YouTube tutorials. I, I just needed to know how to drive and drive a ball, right? And if, if anyone kind of knows the lingo of golf, you kind of know what I'm talking about. And it's where I'm getting at is that that brings, that opens that door, I feel like for you guys, where telemedicine and telehealth, that you don't, you know, things like that, especially, I think for someone to diagnose strep throat, right? Like you need to go get the test, things like that. But to tell someone, hey, breathe, do this stretch, move your arm this way. You know, I've done physical therapy myself. I've done it when I was younger and I've gone, you know, as recently as a few years ago. The person administering the physical therapy is showing you what to do. So you're in the same room as them, you're watching them. What difference does it make if they're doing exactly that? You know what I mean? And a lot of physical therapy is not, you know, massage or massage therapy for that. Yeah, obviously you got to go in person, but yeah. So no, I'm excited that you guys really went in on this because even before pandemic, like I said, there are things that I was, I was going to the internet for, to save money. And it, you guys probably can see more patients or be more beneficial or, or do you know more things on a time schedule as well, right? Don't have to be at a one specific location from nine to five every day, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think people can get to us as a first point of contact quicker then they, they might be able to, you know, going to a clinic. Um, and do you have like, and to that, do you have like the partners that then say, okay, in your area, or are you building that? Say, okay, you do need, you know, physical therapy. I, I think it's massage therapy in the physical fitness world is a little different. It's not the same as just go get a massage. So right. do you guys have like, are you building that network as we speak of, you know, if someone's like Ari and I, Ohio, Delaware, okay, now you do need to go maybe get this massage therapy as well. Absolutely. I've definitely referred because I practiced in New York City and San Francisco and I've seen some medic patients from New York and referred them out to like, okay, now, you know, we've tried our exercise prescription. We've tried looking ear posture. We've looked at the running videos. You need hands-on care. So absolutely. There's a point where that definitely happens. And, you know, not for everybody. A lot of people get better with the right exercise prescription. And that's really the strength of medic, I think, is that we're looking at functional movement patterns, posture, and how you're performing an exercise. And we can absolutely give you feedback on that. Awesome. But clearly we're limited with hands-on care. And there's a certain point where people may need to go out for further testing radiology. They might need a surgical consult or they just need some hands-on deep tissue work. Yeah. So what made you guys target runners specifically as opposed to, I'll say, the general public? So, yeah, a, a number of things, actually. So... First of all, we saw a big need, right? There are a lot of runners out there in the US and a lot of them are like highly competitive training for this marathon, training for this ultra marathon. They're almost like high level athletes, but without a high level support. So 
there is like this huge gap there where they're not being treated correctly because they don't have the time to go to a physical therapist to do not cross train correctly, all those kind of things. And we saw that gap there and we saw that we could reach these runners. We could go to races. We could find them online in groups. They do read the same materials. So for us, from a business perspective, it made a lot of sense to start there. There's a big problem, a lot of people, and we can reach them. On the other hand, as I said, we have a solution for them as well, right? Like we have Susan and we have other people like Susan, like very specialized in treating runners, waiting to treat runners that they don't have access to. So, so that's one of the biggest reasons. But thinking beyond runners, like in my opinion, this could be like an opportunity in general for any type of athletic sports. Because for example, if you're training, if you're like a shoulder injury and you, you're Yudoka or you play golf, for example, like it's really important to have like a caregiver that understands also like the biomechanics of that sport and how that impacts your treatment as well. And so this could be applied to any any number of sports uh, besides running, but you got to start somewhere. So we're really yeah. starting with, uh, with onboarding runners. Yeah. And I just want to say something about the biomechanics of running. I actually, the, I would take the same video in the clinic with a patient on a treadmill or overground running and by the way, just a side note on overground running versus a treadmill running gait analysis, research shows that they're not significantly different. So you can take a running bit, you can have a patient upload a running video that they've done on a, on a treadmill or overground running, and you can analyze that in your three-dimensional plane as I would analyze the same video that I would take of a runner in the clinic on a treadmill so that's a valuable tool in of itself to look at just the biomechanics of running and educate a particular patient on, okay, here's some compensatory patterns that I'm seeing. I usually do a systematic scan from head to toe and there are research supported compensatory patterns that are common, commonly correlated with particular injuries. And just that educational piece for the patient is valuable. Awesome. So I'll bring it up and hopefully this isn't like, I don't want to say it's like a sore subject or, or anything, but, you know, Hami brought up a good point with, with kind of, you know, everyone going to YouTube and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, guilty of it as well. I go to YouTube and check out things and, you know, running tricks and tips and, and things. And, you know, I know we go to stores and we get, you know, fitted for shoes by the runners and they they watch our gait and everything. But have you guys seen any, I guess, almost issues or, or like myths that you've had to bust with people now that this online, I guess, knowledge is there um, as opposed to what, you know, you see from a clinical side? Absolutely. I mean, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is like Dr. Google is a generalist. Okay. We're our specialists. So I think Dr. Google can get you so can get you pretty far in a lot of cases. And sometimes it's accurate, right? It may actually nail what, you know, what's going on, but we are all individual beings and everybody is different. Same thing with like, when there's these new trends in shoe wear, like the zero drop heel or the hokas, it's like, Great for some people, not great for all. And so I think it's good to be aware of the trends and the buzzwords out there and things that come out, but also just to individualize your treatment, right? Yeah, Um, it's actually really funny you brought up the shoes because that's like the first thing that came to my mind. Because I remember, I mean, I I know I overpronate, I think I do, when I run. And, you know, it's five bounce a little bit too and everything. And for a couple of my shoes, like the first, I think, two or three shoes I got, I got directed towards those types of shoes and they fit, they work, they've done great. But the last, you know, two or three, I haven't done it. And I had, you know, a few people just say like, there's not a strong enough evidence that 
these types of shoes are going to correct your pronation or overpronation or, you know, lead to lesser injuries. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that kind of, you know, hot topic, I guess. Right. I think it's never one particular thing. It's never just one thing that corrects the problem. I look at um, most injuries and problems as multifactorial. And so I think just to be aware of it's superlatives. Anytime there are superlatives out in the world of Google, like this shoe will fix everything or does everything or all this or all that, I don't buy it. I just think it's that usually you're looking at four or five things that add up to why the person has an injury and four or five things add up to what are going to help that person. So I don't, I just don't buy that this shoe is going to help over, you know, yeah. But that's okay. That's my clinical opinion and my experience. I'll I'll let you know. So the last shoe I got was, or the last shoe, I I haven't worn them yet because I want to, they're going to be my new half marathon shoes, but they are just plain, simple shoes, no overpronation. And the small company, so the guy, you know, I got to talk to the owner and he even said that he's like, we haven't figured out significant reason to build more onto the shoe to help to say one way or the other. So it's just a simple running shoe. I hope you like it. So. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for what's comfortable and what works and don't over, and you know, sometimes just don't overthink it. (laughs) Yeah. So I know uh, at the beginning of the show too, you talked about some of the crazy races that, you know, you've, you know, helped people train for. I think you said the the Sahara Desert one and and there was one in in Iceland, you know, I'm reminded of of one. I don't know if you've heard of it and I don't know the whole story, but I think it's one in, I want to say... Alaska and our, you know, somewhere very cold. And it's, it's like a, it's a timed event. It's like a three hour race, I think. And you have to make it in a certain amount of time. Cause there's like a helicopter. Are you shaking your head? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Or <laughs> I have okay. not heard of this one. I've heard of similar races, but this okay. particular one enlightened me. So, I mean, so coming from a, a, a clinical profession, I mean, what's, what's your thoughts on those? Are those too crazy or people, you know, risking their, their injuries on that one or what? I think it really depends on the person. I think that one thing to keep in mind with a lot of these crazy stage races or races in crazy places like Antarctica or Sahara Desert is specificity of training. So specificity of training and the volume of running you're going to do, specificity of training in the type of terrain and the type of climate. If you can kind of get yourself just like when you're running a marathon, you know, in general, I think it's generally accepted that as long as you can confidently run 85, maybe 80 to 85% of the the mileage on the terrain that that race is going to be. And you're not injured. You're ready for the race. So I think you sort of want to break down, you know, I don't think, again, I'm not going with superlatives. I don't think they're, they're horrible for everybody. I don't think they're great for everybody. I think it depends on looking at some of those specifics. Yeah. Of the actual race and try to simulate as best you can. And if you feel ready and you're not injured, go for it. I think it's great. Yeah. Run in a refrigerator, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. I'm learning so much. I mean, this is, I think our readers or readers, our users, this is going to be a great podcast for them, you know, and obviously I know we'll talk about ways that we can, you know, get with you guys to maybe do some kind of referral. Why I'm excited, I don't want to jump off topic, but you know, why and why this company started, a lot of our runners are looking for solutions to heal. I use this example a lot. I don't think you get one of my buddies left a high pro Edwin and we did a podcast on this left a high profile celebrity gym down in Miami because he said he wasn't helping his clients. Yes, you want to look better, but we need to address a lot of things 
before we can get to the point where, and Susan, you're saying this word for word, before we can get to a point of results, we have to fix things first. And nobody addresses those things, I feel like. And I think social media is that we talk, we keep talking about where we're headed and social media and technology. But I know people want results fast, but there's a lot of stuff that have to get fixed first before you can get results. And our demographic being 35 plus, you know, hopefully this is where they can turn to to get those things fixed. Yeah. No, I think I think you, you hit it right now, man. I think, you know, our company excluded. Everyone's looking for that supplement that's going to guarantee them a, you know, first place win or, or you know, that product that's going to get them, you know, to be able to run 50 miles when they're only used to running three miles, you know, and, and, you know, again, yes, our products work. Finish line is like the top tier rehydrating, you know, to toot our own horns. I live for that stuff, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, that's only going to get you so far. You have to go in and, you know, correct your stance. You have to go in and, you know, strengthen your knees. You know, you got to strengthen, you know, your hips. Like, you know, it's again, maybe a little bias or anything, but, I started from nothing. I never ran in high school, never ran in college, never ran honestly until I was about late twenties, early thirties. And, you know, I did okay, you know, ran, but it, it really took my wife who's, who's in the medical field as, as a physical therapy assistant to be like, you should really train other things, you know, like do some side lunges, do some regular lunges, you know, that's why your hips are sore after a run or, you know, work on your back. And you kind of got to build that up and be like, oh, okay, well, now I'm not running with pain. Now I can run more. Now, you know, I can, I can do this and that. Yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. So I think, you know, again, I want to make sure our runners are getting you know, something out of this from Susan, Matthias, you know, you guys, what are some just, I guess, you know, well, at least we are coming into more of the winter months and the colder weather and a little slippery outside, but you know, any injury prevention tips or, or anything like that uh, you'd like to share with us? I think injury, the great place to start for injury prevention is just don't, like you just mentioned it, don't forget about your core. And I I always say if the trunk of the tree is not weak, the branches will fall, right? And so when you're running, you know, your foot's hitting the ground and every time your foot hits the ground, it's trying to control that ground reaction force back up into your body. If your core and your hips are weak, you're going to have some compensatory patterns that are happening. So I think that's a great place to start just to go back to the core. The other thing I think is during winter months, I think it's just our bodies, just natural being human beings. We just don't have as much energy because circadian rhythms, whatever. I think just looking at all the stressors in your life, is your work stressing you out or you get, you know, is your sleep good enough? Just looking at sleep hygiene, looking at nutrition, all of the factors, not just your running program, but all those things need to be into play. And perhaps just scheduling, well, definitely, I should say not perhaps, but making sure that you schedule in recovery workouts. And especially for 35 plus, once I hit over 30s and I was trying to charge through, you know, race after race, stage race to marathon, it's like, I realized like I need to prioritize my recovery. And that is a workout to schedule in, reschedule in a recovery workout, whether that be like a yoga workout or a massage, that is part of your training. You know, and if you're really trying to ramp up for a race, let's say you have a, like a marathon in three months and you're trying to increase your volume, well, do three weeks of training and, you know, your strategy workouts, whatever, and then have a week where you back off and you have a recovery week. So just give your tissue time to heal. I think that's really important so that you don't go over that envelope of inflammation. We need it. Inflammation is a good thing when we're training for things or when we're trying to 
increase our fitness. We need inflammation in our muscles to get stronger, but too much inflammation is a bad thing, right? So it's figuring out that sweet spot. So I think just being one step ahead of your own tissue and scheduling and recovery can help. So, and you kind of hit, I was going to ask, you know, when I hear recovery, I kind of think of sitting back and relaxing and, you know, feet up and everything, but it sounds like you've got some other ideas to help out besides that. Yeah, I think active recovery can be cross training. You're working at, you know, 50 to 60% of your RPE or your effort, your cardiovascular effort. Sometimes a massage is recovery workout. <laughs> you know, whatever you I like, need. I like that kind of recovery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about, so, you know, again, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot on that. You know, you've talked a lot about cross training and, I don't know if you've, you've said what your next race is going to be, Hami, but I know you said talk about, <laughs> about you know, what to strengthen. And, and obviously as runners, we obviously focus a lot on our legs, but you know, what are kind of some tips for cross-training? Should it only be like doing leg workouts? Should runners be lifting weights? Like, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I absolutely think that strength training and core strengthening should be part of every runner's yeah. training program. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's kind of, I'll tell you, I, that's where I made a huge mistake in my marathon run for New York city. My knees, I don't have bad knees. They don't crack or anything when I get up, but they definitely were not used to that kind of pressure. And I know that that's because I didn't do any kind of squat or any kind of, you know, lunges or anything like that. So next year, if I do it again, and I, I, I think I want to, I'll say that now it's, it's one of those things where when you're done a marathon, you're like, F that I'm done. Right. But yeah, no, I'm with you. I kind of did my own thing and it worked, knock on wood, but definitely I know there's a lot of... It's funny as you're doing it. That's the one thing I also want to tell you guys too. What I love, and I, I tell my daughter this now, my daughter's 14 and, and not a runner, but obviously our family's big into sports. And I always tell her, you know, and this is what I want to actually... This is a great segue of what I want to ask you guys. And this is what I tell my daughter. You know, she plays basketball and it's funny, you cringe and all the parents, we're all sitting there. We're very, we're all friends now. We all know each other locally and how these like kids in high school sports work out. And, you know, these kids fall down and, and you see the parents wince. And I always tell Layla, my daughter, I'm like, listen, you need to be able to do a quick self-assertion. What just happened? Can I hop right back up and go run? Right. Do I need to look at the coach and say, I'm out, take me out, you know? I think I'm a little old school. I'm 42. So I used to like when Layla was a kid, she's still a kid. She's 14. But when she was more of a baby, you do that, like get up. You know what I mean? But now I'm like, I, I, as I'm listening to experts like yourself, it's about longevity for her, right? Now colleges are looking at you. Now you got to play next year. Now, you know what I mean? Can you speak, Susan? I want to hear your opinion. I said the layman's terms to my daughter. What's your thing on kind of, Nobody knows your body better than you. When something's wrong, we all know something's wrong. At what point, I know I'm giving a long-winded question here, but those are like the memes, right? I saw, not a meme, but I saw a funny uh, TikTok post of a runner running with a boot on the treadmill, right? Like runners don't want to stop running. I don't, I know I don't. It takes a lot for me to not go out there and run. And and here's, I know this is long-winded guys, so but bear with me. The problem is this, I'll have a groin pull, a back pull, something hurt. Here's the worst part about running. Running loosens that up and you get to finish the run, but you're probably doing some serious damage. Am I right? Okay. 
So again, we need to be a little bit more specific. I think there, the question in there is when is it good to push and when is it not good? Right. Is that what I'm yeah, 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 yeah. So I agree. System. One thing about high-level training or pushing yourself for fitness is, you know, you sort mentally, you sort of need to confront pain to get better, right? So mm-hmm. there's confronting your pain and certain types of pain that's good that you're going to get you through a race, whatever. There's bad pain when you're talking about a fall. If you fall and you're getting up and you're limping and you think you ha- you can't walk and you're suddenly like, ooh, and a, a joint swells up and it's red and all of that, that's absolutely bad pain. Right. You can't even walk, you can't run. That's a separate issue. I think what you're talking about for runners is when they have kind of like a little bit of something, a nagging injury, maybe overuse. It's like, it loosens up when I run and then it comes back afterwards. Yep. So that is kind of a gray area on pain. Here's what I tell people. Okay. These are the things you should look out for. Do you have joint pain or swelling that persists 48 hours after that workout? Okay. Are you starting to compensate? Do you get pain in another location? And has this been going on more than a couple of weeks? Have you not been able to stretch it out, go to a massage therapist, do your PT and have it actually get better? Is it still there? Is it plateaued or getting worse? Those are the things when, okay, let's back up. Let's focus on some cross training. And the thing about running is that I think runners forget is like, you can actually simulate cardiovascular fitness and muscle endurance and power by not running. I think you can actually, I've actually trained for stage races. I had an injury in my knee one year and did a lot of cycling and swimming and still showed up for, you know, held the running. So my injury got better as I was maintaining cardiovascular fitness and ran like my best race that year. So I think sometimes we forget that you can actually get a lot of fitness out of cross training. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, again, the body is just, it's amazing. You know, I don't know what you can push yourself to do. Same thing for a marathon. I think that's what's so amazing about running, right? It's really pushing yourself. Then like to your point, okay, now this has to recover you know, the next day and the day after that. This week, I was really proud of so many of our customers. You guys probably as, as in the running world. This week, everyone did the 48, the Dopey Challenge in Disney. You guys probably saw a lot of those posts. You know, a lot of people pushing themselves. You know, that's like something, you know, maybe you can't do a hundred miler in like a weekend, but that's really something the cool to see. It was, I love how Disney does that and you get your like different medals. So, sorry, I'm a little over the place, but yeah, like <laughs> I love watching people push themselves and getting better. What are Ari? I mean, you know, my only thing too, I know we can't mention people by names or anything like that. Do you guys want to get into any like success stories or times when like you guys, some of, you know, some of your guys as an organization's really proud victories? Do you guys want to attest any of those? I I know we're limited on time, but I think I want to get to some of that too. If if there's some stories you guys want to share. Go ahead and start. So we have a couple. So like one of my favorite stories is actually... So at one point, we were trying to find patients, right? Because we knew we had a solution for them. And there was this running club in out of California that had actually a physical therapist there that was part of a group. And she was like, she identified as a big, big time runner, but sadly wasn't been able to run for the last year or so. And so we connected her to Susan. Uh, she was interested in trying it out. She had a bunch of PT friends, but none of them could really help her because they weren't really running specialists. And Susan treated her for a couple of weeks and afterwards was like, hey, I think it's this problem, but this is more than physical therapy. 
But what we can do is like you can get surgery uh-huh. with this physician out of Colorado. And then Susan kind of prepared her like completely like, hey, this is why you have to decide this is what you do, what you have to do to decide or not. Um, this is probably how it will help you. Can't promise anything. That person ended up going through that surgery and afterwards loved the experience so much. Even though we couldn't help her initially with the initial injury, she was one of the fewer that we have to kind of refer out. She did enjoy Susan's like advice so much beyond physical therapy about like just kind of how to wage this surgery in her life because she's also a physical therapist. She also has to do exercises as part of her job, right? And she ended up getting the surgery and afterwards she enjoyed it so much that she ended up joining us. So she's actually, I can't name who, but like she's one of our physical therapists that we have as part of Natic right now. And for me, that's really a success story. Even though we couldn't help her like immediately, we were able to kind of refer her out to the right people that were specialized in her type of injury for athletes, for runners. And yeah, she loves it so much. I don't know what her status is. If she's 100% back to running yet, I have to check in from there. But that's kind of one of my favorite stories from people. Yeah. The last thing too, and, and I think physical therapy from, again, speaking on personal experience, a lot of it is, and I'm sure you know you guys see it too. So this is the cool thing about what you guys are doing. So much of it is trusting that the client does their homework, right? Like, you know, in both aspects, right? Like people come to you. I, again, I use my daughter as an example. My daughter will go with a trainer for hours, but I'm like, if we're home and I'm just like, hey, go in the driveway. She doesn't want to do it, right? So, I mean, same, I'm sure, with you guys, right? So that's even better the way you guys have this set up because you can do it at different times. Because I got to assume, and Susan, you've done now both, right? You do this and you do real. In the real portion of it, how many... Is it over 50% of your clients never do their homework? Probably. (laughs) I don't know the real numbers on that. But I think it's true. I think with telehealth, in some ways, there's an inherent higher level of accountability because you know, you need to do your own homework. You're not going to come in and get to be passively stretched, you know, during the session. You need to really be an active participant. Yeah, no, that's my favorite thing about this is like, look, you're not going to be accountable. What is that one, Ari? I know your kids are a little smaller. It's like uh, that Montessori type of uh, training, right? Or education. Oh, yeah. I think I I know what you're talking about. Like the the kids are kind of like on their own pace, right? Right. If I can quickly add to this, like in general, compliance, is a term we use in medicine for people kind of doing their exercises or not. In general, it's a huge issue. Even sometimes with our runners, it's like kind of hard to get like in touch with them, seeing if they're really doing their exercises. So, so it's actually a huge part of like how we are designing our product right now. Like our mission really is to kind of, for a patient like or for a runner that is injured, let's say, make them feel that their physical therapist is always there for them. Kind of like after their workout, like, we want patients to be able to like log how they're feeling. We want to integrate with Strava so that every time they go for a run, like we can, as like they can have a quick note to fill out, like, hey, this is how I'm feeling because this is important for a physical therapist, right? Physical therapists usually don't have access to all of this like external information. It's very often like a sheet of paper. Sometimes you get a list of exercises with videos if you're lucky, but still often it's just a sheet of paper you get like at home and these are the exercises you have to do. So what we really want to do is we want to make our physical therapists like more like coaches, let's say, but expert coaches for these people with injuries. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, I love it. I think I think that's great. You know, just kind of going off of what you're saying, right? If I'm either coming off of an injury, uh, you know, I think 
it's a lot different when somebody is coming off of an injury and they've gone through the physical therapy and they want to kind of do the homework so they don't get injured again, as opposed to the other people who haven't done it yet and kind of have those rose-colored glasses of like, oh, it's not going to happen to me, you know, so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. But to your point, like, it'd be great to see that integration of, okay, I did my run, you know, I felt okay, but man, did that hip kind of flare up a little bit. I'm going to put it into my Strava at the end of my run and, you know, boom, here's some more exercises I can do to kind of help loosen that up or, or help, you know, work it out. So I think, I think that's awesome. Susan, what's your thoughts right now? We live in a day and age too, where I feel like there's so many tools, right? Like um, I, n- I never forget, and this happened very fast, right? Like when flat screen TVs came out, they were like thousands of dollars. Now you can get like a flat screen TV at Walmart for like 300 bucks, right? So same, It's and this happened quicker in the recovery world. Massage guns, I remember when they first came out, massage guns were like $1,000 or $800. Now on Amazon, massage guns are like 80 bucks, 50 bucks. Are there any tools you recommend, foam rollers? Um, for our listeners, one of the, my last questions would be, we had, and it, we sold out, we kind of white labeled a massage gun and, and all of our customers loved it. Are there any tools you recommend? And do you guys also work a two-part question. One, the tools like a massage gun, electric foam rollers, things like that. And then B, do you help? I never forget. And I still have mine. Okay. Now I got the massage gun. What literally, what do I do? Do I just put, like put it there? Like what about educating people like on the tools and things like that? Can they come to you guys for that too? Absolutely. I do believe in the the massage assist tools. Absolutely. Graston. I really like the hyper ice vibrating foam roller and the massage guns as well. Mm -hmm. We use that in the clinic. And for netic patients with just telehealth, I will either interface with them in a live video to show them how to use the tool or upload a video of myself using it so they have some instruction on how to do some deep tissue, soft tissue release. Even just using like a lacrosse ball or a massage ball that's a step down in firmness from that. I think people just need to know repetitions and exactly where they target it. So absolutely. I've definitely done that for netic patients and had good success. A lot of people can get enough self-soft tissue release that they don't need to go do hands-on therapy or mm-hmm. massage or whatever. Right? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, no, this was very beneficial. I know we're going to talk, you know, either after this or we're definitely going to link up. I'd love to see, you know, any 6am run users, obviously in the podcast where we publish this, we're going to definitely put out, you know, Mateus, we're going to put out like all your guys's information. If anyone wants to contact you guys, I'm excited to blast this podcast here in about a week or two weeks. This will be out there and I'm, I'm excited to put you and Susan, all your guys's information out there. You know, there's no question. 6am run will take care of the nutrition part and you guys can uh, take care of the healing part, please. Absolutely. Yeah. Always welcome to kind of send us a message. We get, we're happy to hop on a call and see if uh, we would be a good fit for people and we can decide from there. So absolutely. Are there any, if they get a script, is there one of probably the questions too, if I know sometimes some insurances with prescription, are you guys there yet? Or how new are you guys? If they have a prescription from let's say primary care, can their insurance cover, you know, your guys's program or do you want to go in there? Is that, please anything we're missing yeah. that you guys want to elaborate? Absolutely. So we do have a clinic set up in the state of California. We are in network with most major insurance companies there, except for Kaiser. 
But most major insurance companies in California actually are like all over the U.S. So the way to figure out exactly how much it's going to cost and whether insurance is going to pay for it is really to just sign up and we'll check that for you. It's, awesome. it's impossible to tell upfront, <laughs> but that's why we have that uh, that first session. Yeah, it's, as a European, it's one of the strange things of American healthcare <laughs> that we cannot say the price upfront and we do need to check some things. But we do our effort to work something out. And if, if not, there's always cash pay. And sometimes people can get money back from their insurance that way. So yeah, that's kind of how it's working right now. Awesome. And I will just say, just a uh, side note on that, a lot of states have something called direct access now. Um, it's state by state. It's mandated by state bylaws and physical therapy. And in the state of California, we have direct access, which means that for most insurance providers, minus Medicare, you don't need a referral. You can self-refer yourself to physical therapy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I I mean, you got to figure. I mean, and I I don't want to go off on this tangent, but that's the big thing. Listen, we don't, Ari and I just went through this this weekend. We don't take any kind of COVID sides or anything like that. We really stay, you know, in our lane. But one thing we've said since day one of COVID, right, that you've got to be take care of yourself so that you can be active, run, burn calories, you know, take care of a high blood pressure, your diet. There's so many things that I feel like I'm not, you know, again, we don't get into that rabbit hole, but the COVID discussion's so polarizing and so front and center right now. But if physical therapy is going to help you stay mobile, right? You know, our slogan of stay, body in motion stays in motion. If physical therapy is going to help you run, if your a good diet is going to help you run, those are things that you can control. You know, unfortunately, if, if unless you're on like a lock lockdown, there's really, if you leave your house on any given day, you're exposing yourself. You just are, in my opinion. So at least do the other things that you can do to be preemptive. And I think what you guys are doing and and Susan, that point you just brought, brought that up, like do what you can do to stay mobile, to stay healthy. And that way, God forbid, knock on wood, look, we don't wish any of this on anyone and we don't wish ill on anyone, but if you get it, at least you have a stronger body to hopefully fight it. I hope, I I don't hope, but whatever, if you guys kind of agree to that, I think that's just been our message, regardless what side of the fence you fall on in terms of your belief. But at least, you know, even for the flu, God, for any illness, right? Like being mobile and being healthy is important, right? Absolutely. I love that your slogan is bodies in motion, stay in motion. I've been saying that for years. One of the best like law of physics out there in the universe. And so true, right? But I do think that people need to take ownership for their own health. And I do think that it's about consistency. Even if you only have 10 minutes twice a day to stretch and do whatever, do something get moving, you know, sitting is the new smoking. So don't, <laughs> no, you're, don't you're not wrong. stay sitting all day. Right. And I know I'm working on a book and one of the things with my co-author, like that's so true. I mean, you know, you Sundays yesterday, perfect example, you can get up and veg out and that's your whole day. But if I get up on Sunday and I run, then maybe I want to knock out the grocery store after that. Then maybe I want to vacuum the house. And those are like, you know, there's little chips and you chip away at, you know, certain things. So, you know, and yeah, mental health, right? Like you're like, I got that done. I got that done. Instead of kind of vegging out and kind of feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. There's so many things. I think people who don't work out would see so many better benefits of, all right, look, if I take care of my physical health, then not just professional success, but even like, 
mental success. So many things are a derivative and a result of taking care of your physical health first and foremost. Yeah, so absolutely. So this is kind of the big reason I'm into this space and together working with physical therapists as a physician, because even in healthcare in general, about a third of the medical costs are because people are not moving enough. As Susan was saying, right? Like sitting is a new smoking. That's absolutely true. Like we will oh, look 20 years so 20 years from now, we will be looking back at these times and be like, how could people not move? Because like even for things like like if you think most heart conditions, diabetes, even just like staying active, but even like cancer, right? Like we know that physical activity can reduce all of these things, yet it's not part of the medical community. Right. People still like to take a pill rather than go for a walk like half an hour per day, even though the the half hour walk like we know in medicine works better than most medications we can prescribe for the health. That's not the advice that doctors are giving. And that's not the things that people know. Right. So I 100 percent agree with everybody here at the table that like staying active, so important for every aspect of your life. Ari, remind me to post this to get it from Hitomi. My wife showed me an article last night. My wife does makeup uh, for a living. She's a makeup artist. And she saw an increase and she found this article. So, and obviously women. So there's more women now with neck wrinkles than ever before from looking down on their phones all day. I was just going to say to your point that I've seen more and more postural dysfunction as a diagnosis in the the clinic or virtually or in person because of seated postures and lack of moving. And muscles that fall into lengthened positions in Mm -hmm. general will weaken. Muscles that are lengthened will weaken. It becomes a cycle of spasm and postural dysfunction. So that's why just getting up and moving is so important. No, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, I mean, you're constantly like this or, you know, yeah. So posture, like I try to, and I've always like had a little bit of slouch, but now more than ever. Yeah. Like all that stuff is so key. No, I, um, I think to myself, Ari, I got to get with these guys personally and have them look at me and, and give me an uh, evaluation here. But no, I, this has been an amazing hour. I'm excited for this. One of our best shows, I think, and most informative. And I think you guys will hopefully have uh, some clients, myself included, that uh, are going to be questioning some things. So yeah, if you guys have, we'll get from you guys any kind of sign up form, emails where they can reach you. We'll get all that stuff. Uh, everyone who's listening, we'll make sure that stuff is published both on the podcast and uh, maybe like a next email or something. Uh, when we announce the podcast is launched, we'll also share it there. So so definitely, Matthias and Susan, we're excited to let everyone know about you guys and see where that goes. Great. Well, I look forward to meeting some of your listeners. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks. Thank guys. you so much. Likewise, I man. I think this was this was great. This was you know a lot of fun to learn from you guys and answer my question about the shoes. So I feel a little little vindicated in my my last purchase. But no, again, I think I think it's great. And you know, like I said, we've been talking for a while, so it's gl- I'm glad we were finally able to get everybody on on a call. And hopefully, those listening got to learn a little bit and understand the importance of getting up and moving and, and, you know, doing some cross training. And, and again, I, I really look forward to seeing some more from you guys, whether it's newsletters, emails, this podcast and other podcasts, our Facebook group. I think there's a, a long road ahead for both of us together. Awesome. That for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Everyone enjoy your week. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. Okay. Sounds good. Bye guys. <laughs>